Awesome. Well, hey, I'm so glad you guys are here tonight. Thank you for, man, just taking some time. I know you guys can do anything you guys want on a Wednesday night, but you chose to be here, and so we're grateful for that. Well, hey, let me start off with a story tonight. And uh, this was a story when I was in fifth grade. And so in fifth grade, I was making one of the biggest decisions of my life to this point. And it was a decision of which sport I will play for the rest of my life. So I grew up kind of playing baseball, and I loved baseball, and it was awesome, and I traveled, and all that good stuff. But man, come fifth grade, I was like, Mom, I, I just don't find baseball that interesting anymore. I, I just, I don't find it that much fun, and now I feel like I need to change to another sport. And so the only other sport that I played besides baseball was basketball. And I didn't really play it competitively. It was more like encouraging sports and upward and I don't know if you really consider that competitive. I mean, everyone gets a participation trophy. Everyone wins, that kind of thing. So I was like, Mom, you know, I kind of want to play basketball, and I think this is the route I should go. And she's like, you know what? I think it's a good idea. And so come sixth grade, we had basketball tryouts. And this is how it worked back then. I don't know if it works the same way now, but you'll have a first day of tryouts, a first cut, a second day of tryouts, and then a second cut. And then after the second cut, that's the final team. And so I, 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 I got to the first day of tryouts, and I was a little nervous, more like butterflies, just kind of excitement, ready to get out there. And man, I killed it. I killed it. And I, I felt like I really played well. I, I made the shots I needed to make. I made the passes I needed to make. My IQ, I was in it. I was hustling. I was rebounding. So man, after the first day, I was like, dude, I'm definitely getting past the first cut. I'm making it to the second day of tryouts. So I was a little confident, right? I was a little confident. And so I go home, and like, Mom, man, tryouts went awesome. It went great. Um, I, ha I had a great first tryout. <clears throat> and so uh, we eat dinner, and I go to bed that night. You know, I go to sleep, and I wake up the next morning. My mom drops me off in the car line. I go to, uh, I go to the gym. I'm checking for my name. There it is. I made it. I, I passed the first cut. I'm to the second day of tryouts. And this is where I start getting a little nervous because this is like, this is it right here. If you don't pass this second day of tryouts, you don't make the team. And only six sixth graders made the team. So, I'll, yeah, I had, to, I had to be one of the few that made it. And so second day of tryouts come. And, man, I had a terrible day. I had a terrible day. I was, I was committing turnovers. I was missing shots. I wasn't hustling. I was getting out rebounded. And so, man, I went home, and I was really discouraged. I was like, Mom, this, what happened tonight or what happened that day was like so opposite of the first day. And I'm like, there's just no way I make this team. There's just no way I make this team. And so we sit, out, we sit down for dinner, and I don't really eat anything just because I start getting anxious. I start getting worried and stressed. Because in my, sixth, in my sixth grade mind, this is how I thought. If I didn't make this team, my life is over. Like, if I don't make this team, my friends are going to make fun of me. A girl is never going to talk to me because I tried out for a team and didn't make it. It's like these are all the things that were going on in my head, just ridiculous things. And I lay down for a bed that night, and I just can't fall asleep. I'm just so worried. I'm so stressed. I'm like, my, my sixth grade life is on the line. And if I miss these trials, I'll have to transfer schools. Like, there's just no other option. And so I'm laying down in bed, and I didn't have a phone in sixth grade, which some of you probably think that's crazy, but I didn't have a phone in sixth grade, and so I'm just literally staring at the ceiling for like three hours. I'm just looking up. 
And I was so nervous, I couldn't fall asleep. I was so stressed. And I was thinking about all these situations. Man, I should have done this better. And I, I should have made that shot. I should have got that rebound. I should have hustled more. So the day come, and I woke up, and my mom took me to school, dropped me off in the car line, and there I go to the gym. And man, I'm just like, I'm just shaking. I can almost like throw up. I'm so nervous. So I, I get to the second sheet. I'm like, please say my name. There it is. There's my name. I, I passed the second day of cuts, and I made the final team as one, of the, as one of the six sixth graders that made the team. And so, man, I was ecstatic. But here's the point of the story. is that, man, everyone in here has probably walked through a similar situation. Maybe it's not a basketball tryout. Maybe it's a, a play, and you're going for the, the star role. And you just, you, you have to get this, you have to get this far. Or maybe it's an orchestra. And man, I have to get this spot in the band. Don't they call it like a first chair? Right? Is that what it's called? Man, look at that. I just... <clears throat> or maybe it's a test. And you're maybe studying hard for that test. And like, man, I got to get an A. It's like 50% of your grade. And if you're a terrible test taker like me, I'm always worried. I'm always worried about tests. And so maybe it's one of these things that you've walked through in your life, a, a certain situation or a circumstance that, man, you have just got so nervous, so worried, so anxious, so stressed. And even if you're a Christian here tonight, it doesn't make you immune to anxiety. Because, man, I think this is something all of us struggle with in here, every single one of us. And so the question I want to ask tonight is, man, what is our response? What is our response when life throws a curveball? When life throws something at you that you're not expecting, that you're, it, just, it just catches you off guard, that, man, just really stinks. When life throws you something like that, how do, how do we respond? How do we respond? And so maybe that's you in here tonight. You're like, I know Jesus. I know who he is. I know what he's done for my life. But, man, I just can't stop worrying. I, just, I can't stop being anxious about everything. I'm stressing. And so I want to look at the Bible tonight, and I, I want to see, man, what does the Bible say about worry and anxiety? So we're going to be in, in Philippians chapter 4. So if you, have, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 4, starting in, in verse 4. But to give a little bit of context into what's going on is, is Paul is, is writing this letter to the church of Philippi. But he's not writing it in Philippi. He's actually writing it in Rome. Why is he writing it in Rome? Well, it's because he was sharing the gospel in Rome, and he actually got thrown in prison. So not only is he writing this letter in Philippi, but he's writing this letter in Rome, in prison. So I, just, I want you to put yourself in Paul's shoes. So he writes, he writes this, uh, this letter to the church of Philippi, and the church of Philippi is not doing good. There's disunity, and there's division, and there's these two leaders that are, that are fighting, and that are tearing up the church. And there's nothing he can do about it because he's in Rome. And so he's also in prison, and these prisons aren't like prisons today where you've got a bed and a toilet and AC. It's nothing like that. It's unsanitary. It's wet. Rats are running around. And at any given moment, at any given moment, a Roman guard could walk in and just choose to end his life. So he's in prison. He's fearing for his life. He's worried about the, the church and, and Philippi. And so let's kind of see what he says, let's, let's see what he kind of tells us to do. So verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. So let me give you three points tonight that I really think if, if you're someone in here that struggles with anxiety, that struggles with worry, that stress, 
Now, I really think this can help you, okay? So number one, it's choose to rejoice no matter the situation. Choose to rejoice no matter the situation. Paul says to rejoice always, right? In verse 4, he says, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So he says it twice. So he really wants us to see that. And notice how he doesn't say not sometimes or every so often or once in a little while, but man, he's telling us to always rejoice, right? Paul is saying that we need to have an ongoing attitude of rejoicing, an ongoing notion of always rejoicing no matter the situation. Paul's joy, it wasn't based on a sunny outlook of life or a positive mental attitude. It was the confidence that God was in control. Man, it, Again, if you're struggling with something similar like this, with with Paul, with this anxiety, with this worry, man, that's where I want you guys to get tonight, is knowing this, man, that God's got it. God's in control of your situation. Right? Our culture, it pushes us to something that, man, doesn't matter. It says, they say, man, keep the good vibes, keep your head up, keep your chin up, you can do this, just push through. Right, but at the end of the day, I mean, that doesn't do anything for us. And if you're walking through something, something terrible and someone says, keep your head up, like, come on. That's not helping you. Man, so, so what is going to help us? It's knowing that God is in control. And here's the thing. The reason Paul could get to a place where he wasn't worrying about anything but always rejoicing is because he understood his father controlled everything. That's why. He knew. He knew God's God. You think he wanted to be in prison? No, he wanted to be out. He wanted to be sharing the gospel. He wanted to be advancing it. He wanted to be locked up. But, man, he knew that God's got this no matter what. Because let's be honest. There's going to be situations in our life, circumstances that happen, seasons even in our life, weeks, months, man, that aren't worth rejoicing. There's going to be stuff that happens in our life that just stinks. And it's like, how can, I, how can I rejoice? How can I rejoice? Paul is clearly saying here, is we can't find joy in our circumstances. We find joy in knowing that God is in control. And there's something else. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Right? So not only can we rejoice in what the Lord is doing and, and, and trusting him through it and knowing, knowing that he's in control, but also whatever you're going through tonight, man, it's God's got a purpose for it, and it's good. It's good. All right, so we know that God is in control, and we know whatever we're going through, for whatever reason, man, God's got a good plan for it. Continuing on in verse 6, it says, don't worry about anything, anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That brings us to our, our second point tonight, which is this. Turn our worries and anxiety into prayer and thanks. Turn our anxiety, turn your anxiety into prayer and thanks. 
And this is the verse that you see that pops up on, you know, your mom's shirt or your mom's coffee mug or, you know, people post about it or it's on the fridge. But man, there's some significance to this verse. And I want to talk about that. So I want to put the definition of what I think anxiety is. Anxiety is a fearful concern when life's demands seem greater than my ability to meet them. Anxiety is a fearful concern when life's demands seem greater than my ability to meet them. Man, when your life gets crazy and something happens, and your mind automatically rushes to like, I don't know if I can do this, that's when you start getting anxious. Right, when life's demands, they seem greater. Like, I can't do this. How am I going to get through this? How can I push through this? I don't see a way out. And maybe that's where you are tonight. You're sitting here in your seat. And you're just thinking, man, there's no way out. There's no way out of what's going on in my life. Man, but Paul is encouraging us here. In some of your Bible's uh, versions, it might use the word anxious in verse 6. And anxious in this context, it means to be pulled in different directions. I need two volunteers. I need two volunteers for this. I want to I show you guys a visual. Here, you two come up. All right, here's what we're going to do. Pay attention to this. All right, you hold on one side, you come on this side. <laughs> These are the trash masher ropes, yes. Can we give it up for camp? It's always a free win. Okay, are you, you need to hold on tight. Can you hold on tight? Are you holding on tight? Okay. You're going to pull, but not too hard because you're going to hurt me, okay? You're like, my arms are going to come out of my sockets. Okay, so pull really hard. Go. All right. This is what it looks like when you're anxious. When you're being pulled. Okay, not that hard. Jeez. Come on. She's strong. <laughs> right? When, you're, when, when anxiousness happens, when you get worried, when you get stressed in life, man, you get, you get start to pull in different directions. This is what the Bible is talking about here. And here's what happens when we get pulled in different directions. We want to control everything. Right? So hold, pull real quick. So I want to I fix this. I want to control this, but I can't. So I have to, I have to control this, but I have to, I have to worry about this and, and worry about that. You see what that does? That's what being anxious is. You can't, you can't stay in one place. Your mind is, is just running wild. So you're being pulled in two different directions. Good job, you guys are good. Can we give it up for our uh, volunteers? Ugh. All right, don't need those anymore. And so here's the, here, here's the point that I wanted to make with that. Okay, lean in here, lean in here. Here's the point I wanted to make with that. When you try to control everything, it actually controls you. I had no control there. Right? I was being pulled in two different directions, going one way, going the other. I wasn't in control. And so when this anxiousness feeling and this stress feeling and this worry feeling, when, when, it, when, it, when it controls us and we have to, to figure it out, we have to get to the spot where we know everything, man, it does, no, it does, it does you no good because it's actually controlling you. Paul uses three different words in this verse that I want to talk about. Verse 6. Prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Say it with me. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. 
right? When we start to worry, when you, when you, as soon as you get that feeling, you know what you should be doing? That first action, you gotta go to the Lord. You have to go to the Lord in prayer. But a lot of times what, what we do as believers is, man, we do this. When something happens, I'm gonna try to figure it out myself and I'm gonna go to God last. God needs to be our first action. Prayer needs to be our first action, not our last priority. Because when you make it your last priority, it seems like your sin or your stress or your anxiety, you you try to hold on to it for so long and it comes crashing down. Man, Paul is saying that we need to go to the Lord first. He says, pray about everything. Small problems, medium problems, big problems, huge problems, everything. Right, he can fix all of them. Petition, right? Petition means to pray with intensity. When we pray, we need to be expecting that God is going to answer. And this is huge. Please don't miss this. When we come to the Lord with our anxiety, with our worry, with our fears, man, we need to know, man, God's going to answer my prayer. And this is where everyone gets confused, but I want you to lean in here. Just because you expect God to answer doesn't mean he's going to give you the answer you're looking for. Because we talked about in the first verse, remember where God's in control of everything? That means if he tells you no to something, it's best. And it's good. And man, where we get confused sometimes is when we bring something to God, man, God's got to answer. God's got God's to give us what we want. It's not how it works. Man, God is going to give you the answer that is best for your life. And so when we pray with expectancy, when we pray that God is going to answer, man, it's going to be the answer that's right. And then we come to Thanksgiving. And this is huge. This is so big. We are so eager to ask and bring our request to God. But man, we are so slow to give him the thanks he deserves. I don't know if that's true for you, but that's definitely true for me. As I, I almost treat it like this. I go up to God and I say, okay, God, well, I need you to answer this prayer and, and this thing. And, you know, I, my life's not really good in this area. And my, you know, I have some relationships that are, are kind of off. And I, I need you to answer these things. So if you can do that, I'm going to go hang out with my friends and I'll talk to you later. Right? Then we never come back to God. We never come back to him thanking him for what he did. But here, I'm going to challenge you tonight. And this is, the, this is one of the many challenges. Right, when, we, when we expect God to answer our prayer, it might not be an answer we're looking for. Are you still willing to give him thanks for a no? Whew, that's hard. Right? And when God tells you no for something for the, that you're desiring in your heart, and he tells you no, are you, are you still willing to thank him? Because it goes back to knowing that God is in control. And God, if you're, if you're in control over my life, whatever answer you give me, that's good with me. And I'm going to thank you either way. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. Final two verses, eight and nine. 
It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. So our third and final point tonight is dwell on heavenly things, not earthly thoughts. Dwell on heavenly things, not earthly thoughts. Pastor Craig Rochelle, he said this one time, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Bless you. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. We have to realize that, and we have to realize that our thoughts are real and they're powerful. Man, you think thousands of things a day, and there's no way you can go back and think about all the thoughts. And so when they're in your head, that's when you have to attack. That's when you have to take him captive. And that's, this is why Paul is saying that, man, we need to be thinking on things that are pure, that, are, that, that is lovely, that's honorable, that's true. There was a doctor, his name was, was Walter Calvert. And he did a study on the mind and its thoughts. This is, this is, this is wild. Only 8% of the things people worry about were legitimate matters. 8%. That means 92% were imaginary, never happened, or involved matters over which people had no control over. When you stress, when you're anxious, when you have anxiety, and you're thinking about all these things, just know 92% of them don't even happen. I remember when I was, was in my bed and I was thinking about the second day of trials and how awful I played. I kept bringing out these scenarios in my head. Man, what if I don't make the team? I'm not going to have any friends and no girls are going to talk to me and I'm going to have to move school and it's going to be terrible and I'm going to fail out. I mean, like I was going in my mind, out and out and out. I wasn't taking captive my thoughts. 92% of what you worry about, you have no control over. <laughs> 8% of what we worry about are actually legitimate matters. You know what this tells us? It tells us that Satan is a liar and he wants to corrupt your mind. Satan is a liar and he wants to corrupt your mind. Because here's the thing, and I'm an overthinker. I don't know if anyone else is, but man, I really, that's something I really struggle with is overthinking. And man, I'll take one of these scenarios. I'll take one of these imaginary things that I'm just thinking about might happen. Something I have no control over, and I'll start to believe it. I'll start to play it out in my life. Man, what if this happens? And man, what if that happens? And man, if this happens, it's all over. That's exactly what Satan wants for your life. 1 Peter 5.8. It says, be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone, anyone he can devour. So you know what that verse tells us? 
It means that he's just patiently waiting. He's patiently waiting for you to believe a lie that he's told you. All this anxiousness, all this fear, all this worry. He's waiting for you to believe it. And then just like this visual that we saw, we go back and forth trying to control things. We go back and forth. And man, Satan, he's waiting. He's waiting for you to fall. He's waiting for you to believe this lie. And when we respond with stress or anxiety, it's almost like we're saying that we don't trust God. Because if we believe, if we believe that God has the best plans for us, if, he is con- if he's in control over everything, then why worry? I know I'm, it's easier said than done. I'm with you. But man, this is what we need to do. Philippians 4, 7 and 9. Um, well, I already read them, but I'm going to read them again. Verse 7, it says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In verse 9 it says, Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Man, Paul is saying, if you want a peace that surpasses all understanding, that maybe you have a friend that you're close to and they know what you're going through, and yet you have this peace, they're going to ask how. How, do you, how. how are you so calm? How do you have this much peace? Man, it's because we're doing these things. It's because we're rejoicing no matter the situation. We're turning our prayers, I mean, our anxiety into thanks and prayer. And we're dwelling on heavenly thoughts, not earthly things. So, man, I, I want everyone in here Students, leaders included, can you guys just bow your heads, close your eyes? I don't know, I don't know what you guys are going through tonight. I don't know what you guys are struggling with. I don't know what you guys are walking through. I mean, there is a God that cares so much for you. And he wants you to bring those things to him. And he will give you a peace that doesn't even make sense. That surpasses all our, our understanding. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. And again, I, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're walking through something tonight that, man, you're just so anxious about, you're so worried about, you're so stressed about, can you just raise your hand? No one looking around. Just raise your hand if you're walking through something tonight. 
I'm down. I just want to let you know that's the majority of the room. So first of all, know that you're not alone. Walking through something challenging, walking through something hard, walking through something that, man, is just making you so anxious, so worried. Just know you're not alone. The second thing I want you to know tonight is that, man, God loves you and he's here for you. And he wants to walk alongside of you as you go through this. So, man, I encourage you just to, to spend some time in prayer. And we're going to sing two songs. And, man, sing about a man who made all this possible. That we actually have someone to go to when we're worried, when we're stressed, when we're anxious. So let me pray for you tonight of, of those who rose their hands, but also maybe you didn't raise your hand. I mean, I, I just want you to know that myself, Lewis, Morgan, and any of your leaders in here tonight would love to talk to you about what you're struggling with, about, about, about what you're anxious about. Lord, we come before you tonight. God, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word. And God, learn about your goodness. Learn about your faithfulness. God, we learned tonight that you are in control of everything. And so I pray that the students, for the students in here that rose their hand and, and the leaders that rose their hand, that God, they would bring their worries, their anxiety, their stress to you. That they would know that there's a God that loves them so much that, that wants to spend time with them, that, that wants these things, that wants the weight that anxiety and worry brings. God, you want to carry that for us. God, can you just make yourself known to those people tonight, those students and those leaders? God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son. In Jesus' name I pray.